0: Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ, and they grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Praise God. for that. Okay, so if you haven't already, go ahead and grab your notes and grab your Bible or your COH app, we're going to be jumping into our message for today. We're on week three of our series called Please, Sorry, Thanks. Can we go and put up the main graphic there? We're in a series called Please, Sorry, and Thanks. Now, what we're trying to get across in this series is not just to talk about three words that we want you to do and want you to learn. This is not a series about good manners. This is about so much deeper. These three words are like keys that could change your life. In fact, I brought a key with me here today. Um, I've started to think about some of the most important keys I've ever received in my life. I uh, thought about when I was a teenager, my very first job was teaching martial arts. Um, Before I was a busboy or before I worked at restaurants, or before anything like that, um, I worked at my karate dojo. And uh, I remember when I was given a key to the dojo as a teenager, (gasps) the responsibility. I remember when I was given the key to my first car. Any of you remember that? I remember when Leah and I got the key to our first house, which is the one that we're living in now, where we finally became homeowners. Um, I remember nine years ago this summer when I was given a key to Community of Hope, and when Dale said, don't jack it up. Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> you know, A key is a very small thing that opens the door to potentially very big things. In more ways than one. And so these three words here, please and sorry and thanks, we're not just trying to teach people to be more polite. The world needs more than just nice people. What we're trying to do is, yes, teach you three keys that could transform your life and the life of the people in your orbit. What we're trying to get at in this series, if you learn how to do these three words and the deeper meaning that we're trying to get at, it'll make you a better friend. If you're married, it'll make you a better spouse. It will make you a better parent. It will make you a better teammate at work. You'll be able to help people who are hurting. And so whether you're a spiritual person, you've been following Jesus for decades, or whether you're brand new to this church thing, you're still navigating faith, everyone can find this super practical and applicable and helpful for your life. So last week, Pastor Dale um, led off with please. And we really learned that please is just a way to fill and infuse your relationships with humility and equality. And when you do that, beautiful things can happen. Pastor Dale, he's not here today, by the way. He's at a wedding. Speaking of beautiful things that can happen, if you learn how to say please, like, will you please marry me, right? So he's off doing a wedding. Um, but really important things can happen with that. Speaking of weddings, if you're single here today and you would like to be married one day, if you're single online and you'd like to be married one day, listen here, pay attention. If you go on a date with somebody, Pay attention to how they treat the server at a restaurant. Do they say please and thanks? You can learn a lot about a person depending on how they treat somebody at a restaurant, right? Right, okay. Now, today, we're going to shift, and we're going to talk about the next word. We're moving on from please, and we're going to talk about sorry. Um, I grew up playing board games. Who's a board game person? Great, okay. One of our family's favorite board games is this one here, the board game Sorry, we play this in our house. I want you to turn to your neighbor. If you're online, turn to the person next to you. Put this in the comments. What was your favorite board game growing up, or what's your favorite board game to play now? Go ahead and do that now. See a lot of smiles. Yeah. Yep. Alright, so in our house, uh, we play Trouble, we play Sorry, we play Uno, we play a bunch of different games. What I think that's really hilarious about trying to play Sorry with your family is look at the subtitle of this game. Sorry, the game of sweet revenge with the post-it on it that says family game night. I'm teaching my children the endless cycle of revenge and, and, and pain and striking back at people going, sorry. <laughs> I'm raising my kids to be brats if you play this game. Now, what's really funny about this game and about having sorry is that it shows how this word is often misused and underused and misunderstood in a lot of ways. I think most of us are really bad at saying Sorry. You either say it passive aggressively, like playing a game. Sorry, or you say it really aggressively. Well, sorry, or you could say it like you're allergic to it. Like, well, I'm, I'm, so- <coughs> I'm sorry, uh, I'm, so- <sighs> I can't get it out. I'm, so- <clears throat> and some of you just can't even say the word no matter how hard you try. Some people do it like it doesn't even matter. Like, mm, sorry, I don't know. Sorry. Sorry, I guess it's just so generic. Sorry. Some of us overdo sorry We go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Any overdoers here? Yeah, my people. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Trevor. Okay. And, uh, and then sometimes there's some of us who feel like words are so cheap that we don't even bother anymore because it's easy to say something like sorry and does it even really matter when people say it or not. So we're going to talk about the science of this word sorry. Now, over the next two weeks, we're going to do this. Next week, we're actually going to talk about sorry as apology. That's next week. But there's more than one way that you need to learn how to say sorry to improve your relationships in your life. This week, we're going to talk about sorry as empathy. And really, uh, we're talking about this. The title of this week's message is The Science of Sorry, Part One. An alternative title if you're taking notes or putting it in your phone, I might say it like this How to Help a Friend Who Is Hurting, and How to Practice Sorry as Empathy. So, if you have your Bible, go ahead and grab it now. We're going to read our passage that we're going to be dissecting across this series, which comes from Romans chapter 12. And we have a practice here that we stand for the reading of God's word. So if you're able, would you please stand? And this is Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. This is the Apostle Paul writing here. And he says this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for the Lord's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. My goodness, our world needs that. Amen? Amen. So this is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Wow. All right, so let's talk about empathy. So a recent study, when we're talking about the science of sorry, a recent study by Washington and Lee University did um, a really fascinating experiment. And the experiment they did was testing um, how the impact of reading um, affects people's uh, prejudices and empathy. And long story short, what they discovered in this study was that when they gave um, fiction... Does anybody here love reading fiction? Where's my fiction readers at? Okay, great. Um, that people who read fiction, this is their scientific, um, psychological research that they found, people who read fiction novels, particularly fiction of people who, um, characters who are from different economic statuses than them, different racial backgrounds than them, different ethnic backgrounds than them, um, anybody who reads fiction in a different perspective than theirs tends to be a less prejudiced person. Long story short, The more fiction you read, the more likely you are to be a more empathetic person. Isn't that interesting? Here's why. Because people who read fiction are practiced in putting themselves in someone else's shoes. Different data says that 95% of the time, we think only about ourselves. And 5% of the time, we think about others. That's a whole lot of me and not a whole lot of others. And what if we learned to double that number, where we still spend 90% of the time thinking about us, but realistically, if we could up our number from thinking about others from 5% to 10%, can you imagine what would happen to our world, to our neighborhood, and maybe to your life, your home, and your workplace, if you were able to double the amount currently that you think of others before you think of yourself? That would change everything. And this is what the Apostle Paul is getting at here. We're going to look at verse uh, verse 15, Romans 12. So it's Romans 12, verse 15. And this is all we're going to look at here today from Romans. Now, what Paul says here is rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. What's fascinating about this passage is in the original Greek, it's only six words long. In English, we had to add a lot more words to get at the deeper meaning of what it's trying to say. But the super wooden translation is like rejoice with rejoicing, mourn with mourning. It's a very poetic statement, but it takes a little bit of unpacking here. If we look at the first part here, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Well, that's easy. We like that. The Trevor International version would say, high five with those who need a high five. Like, let's go. That's awesome. Um, And so what you can see here is that this is good. This is easy to be happy with those who are happy, to celebrate with those who are celebrating. American culture is actually really good at this. I heard this past week that Simon Cowell, everyone knows Simon Cowell from American Idol, and now America's Got Talent, whatever show he's on. He's usually known as the mean British critic. And he's said, gone on record before, he's surprised by how celebratory American culture is of other people's success, that Americans are great at celebrating other people. Now, that's not automatic. You need to be a person who isn't jealous, who's able to celebrate somebody else's wins. But by and large, we're pretty good at this. The part we're not very good at is this. This is what we're going to spend time on today. Mourn with those who mourn. In American culture, we don't have really a ritual we don't have a process. We don't have um, tried and true ways where we know how to mourn. Americans are allergic to talking about death and suffering and pain. And we are just not good at it at all compared to other cultures in the world and even this ancient culture that was way better at this than us. We can learn from the ancient culture that produced the Bible For how we can live better lives and become more empathetic people. In fact, when it says here, mourn with those who mourn, the literal word here for mourn isn't mourn, but it's weep. And so the, the literal Greek translation of this is weep with those who are weeping. Wow. And what's even more challenging about that is that if you're a Christ follower, that's not a suggestion. That's a command. Go weep with people who are weeping. Wow, that's pretty difficult for me um, because I'm not a crier, naturally, I'm not. How many of you are, you're just, you're criers? Okay, there's no shade on you if you are. I'm not. Now, I am an emotional guy, I'm just not a crier. And most of the time, if I cry about anything, it's like Jesus stuff that makes me cry. There's this TV show called The Chosen, which is just, oh, it's so good, see, all the criers in the room just went yes, yes. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's on season one's on Netflix right now. Go watch it; it's great, and it's in the Cuh app too. Um, it's great, and I get choked up every time I watch Jesus do something in the show. My kids make fun of me every time. Here's Dad crying about Jesus again. Bunch of brats played sorry too much with them. No, <laughs> but I'm just not that. Um, I grew up in a house that way. My dad is an emotional guy, but he's not a crier. I've seen my father cry four times in my entire life. And the first two, the one was about watching the end of Mr. Holland's opus. That was the first time I saw my dad cry. So good. Such a good movie. And the second one was when my dog died. I know, right? That's, but not only, that's just the first two there. And he's just not a crier. And so a lot of times this can be really intimidating if, Maybe you're a guy, or maybe you're not as an emotional type of a person. You go, I, I don't know about that. Weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. That's just not me. But this doesn't exclude anybody. We're all called to this. In fact, I think most of the time when people look at that verse, they can feel afraid. Like, I, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't know what to do to go with, be with people who are weeping. Some people feel really inadequate. Like, I, I'm going to mess it up. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. You want me to go weep with those who weep? And if you're not afraid or inadequate, you definitely feel awkward. Because what, 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 what do I even do? I'm pretty sure I'm going to make it worse. Some of us struggle with emotion. Some of us struggle with having too much emotion. And we're afraid that we're going to mess it up and make a bigger mess of things. And accidentally make it about ourselves. So how do you go about doing this? Um, Part of my story is I used to be deathly afraid to go mourn with those who mourn. In fact, I brought here um, an application that I had that I printed off. Uh, When I was in seminary, um, I had to go spend a whole summer at a hospital being a chaplain um, as part of my training to be a pastor. And they asked on this application here, because I found it this week, I thought I'd print it out and read it to everybody, just at least the first line. It says, what's your first goal this summer? And then what you want to learn is being a chaplain at a hospital. And I wrote that I wanted to grow in competence in pastoral situations involving suffering and or death. Translation, I don't know what in the world I'm doing. <laughs> and I'm green as grass, and I'm going to mess it up, and I'm afraid of people crying, and I don't know what to do. It was my application here. And so if you read that and you're intimidated by it, you're in good company because I was too. And the good news is that you don't have to feel that way. When I was at the hospital that summer, I was assigned two floors all summer long. So this is the guy who didn't know what to do with people who were weeping, okay? I was assigned the emergency room and the oncology ward. It was either immediate crisis or long road of suffering. And you know what? I learned how to help people who are hurting. And the good news is, you don't need to spend a summer in a hospital to learn how to help people who are hurting. You can follow some basic principles from the life of Jesus that will really help you. So if you're taking notes, write this down. First, Basic principle number one is learning how to practice sympathy. Now, some people go, sympathy? Yuck, I don't need your sympathy. I don't need your pity. Listen, if nobody learns sympathy, we're all a bunch of sociopaths. Nobody wants that, right? Sympathy is where you just basically feel bad for what somebody else is going through. And in sympathy, you learn how to practice this phrase. And here's where our word shows up. You don't need to say anything to fix what they're going through. If you feel bad for someone else, what they're going through, all you need to learn how to say is, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry you're going through what you're going through. I'm so sorry this hurts so bad right now. If you just learn that one little phrase to begin, you're already halfway there. Dale Carnegie once said this about sympathy. He said, three-fourths of the people you will ever meet are hungering and thirsting for sympathy. If you give it to them, give it to them, and they will love you for it. You don't need to fix what somebody is going through, but you can express your sympathy for what somebody is going through. This is what Jesus did in the scriptures, and this is what Jesus still does for us today. In John 11, Jesus shows up to the place where his uh, one of his dearest friends, Lazarus, had just died. And Lazarus' sisters are near and dear to Jesus, Mary and Martha as well. And he comes to the scene in John 11, and he says this, When Mary reached the place where Jesus was, which Jesus was coming to them, Mary came out to meet him and saw him. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She's grieving so deeply. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in spirit. He hurt for them. He felt bad for them, and he was troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked, come and see, Lord. They replied, and we're just going to leave this right here. And the two shortest words in the entire Bible, the shortest verse in the entire Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus knew he was going to go raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus knew that this was going to have a happy ending and he still wept for his friends. And for all the guys in the room, Jesus was a manly man. Jesus was a uh, blue-collar carpenter. Jesus had calluses on his hands. Jesus would go on to defeat death and hell forever. He's victorious. He's better than any UFC fighter ever. And even Jesus was manly enough to... Express emotion for the people around him that he loved. He hurt because they were hurting. I feel bad for you. I'm so sorry that you're hurting. Jesus does that for them, and he does that for you when you are hurting. And when you hurt to experience the sympathy of Jesus for you, you can carry that to somebody else too. So that's the first level, sympathy. The next level beyond sympathy is actually empathy. Empathy, we're going to put that up here. Now, empathy and sympathy are often confused, and they're used as synonyms, but they're similar but different. Sympathy is feeling bad for someone. Empathy is a deeper level, because empathy is not just feeling bad for someone. Empathy is feeling bad with somebody. Empathy is where you feel another person's pain With them, Even if you can't experience the full weight of a loss or tragedy that somebody is going through, you can still enter into a part of it. Empathy is stepping into the pain and suffering of another person to experience it with them. If you want to practice how to become more empathetic, it's not just learning to say, I'm so sorry to somebody else, but to say to yourself, how would I be feeling right now if I were them? It takes reflection. It takes you being able to open your heart and to be able to hear them. When I was learning how to be a chaplain and to not be afraid of people who are hurting, you want almost the profoundest things I heard all summer long from a mentor when I was there? One mentor told me, your job with hurting people, listen very carefully, everybody, your job with hurting people is not to be the mouth of God. Your job with hurting people is to be the ear of God and to listen to somebody who's going through what they're going through. The two most powerful words in the English language are these here, I understand. And when you learn to express understanding with somebody and to feel a portion of what they feel, you know what it does to their sorrow? You begin to carry it with them. One of our axioms that we have here at our church is that Christian community, it multiplies joy and it divides sorrow so you don't have to carry it alone. And this is what Jesus has done for us too. Hebrews 4, 14 through 15 says this, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess so we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Jesus practices empathy with us. Go to the next slide. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus has experienced everything we experienced because he was willing to step into the human experience and to struggle the way that you struggle, to feel grief the way that you feel grief, and pain the way you feel pain. Jesus knows what it's like to be rejected, to get tired, to be betrayed, to hurt, to lose someone you love, to be hurt by his religious community, to be afraid to die. He even knows what it's like to die himself, an unjust death. Jesus can look at me and you with eyes filled with love and empathy and say, I understand. And he calls us to do the same here. So we have sympathy and empathy, but then the deeper level is not just that, it's compassion. And compassion is sympathy and empathy, but that is move to action. I'm not just going to feel bad with you and sit here and weep with you. I'm going to do something about your pain. And this is, from beginning to end, declared about the character of the God of the Bible, is profoundly filled with compassion. Just one of the verses here, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. God just doesn't have empathy for you. He has compassion to step into your pain and to help carry it and bring comfort. So some quick ways you want to learn how to practice compassion a little bit more. Here's five quick things, super quick here. If you have a friend who's hurting, take the initiative. You reach out. Don't wait for them. You go first. Call, text, show up. Better to, for them not to be ready and say for you to go home than for you to not show up at all. You want to take the initiative. Then you want to, this is super spiritual, show up and shut up. (laughs) You want to know the most spiritual thing you could do with a a person who is hurting? Just be there with them and not necessarily say anything, but just be there. That's the most spiritual thing you could do. You don't want to avoid the pain. You don't want to pretend it's not there. Be willing to talk about it if they want to talk about it. You don't want to know a trick for somebody who's lost a loved one. This is really important here. Pay attention. You need to say the name of their lost loved one because people are afraid to say the name of their lost family member. And some of you, I hear you nodding and saying yes because otherwise it feels like your family member has been forgotten and left behind by everybody else. But if you say their name, it will mean so much to them. Offer to pray for them. If you're intimidated by, I don't pray out loud, I don't know how to pray for people, this is super easy. All you have to do is say back to God what they said to you, if somebody is hurting, it says, I'm lonely and I'm hurting and I'm confused and I don't know what to do. And I'll say, can I, can I pray for you? And they'll probably say yes. And if they do, just repeat back to God what they said. It's as easy as that. God, I pray for my friend. Um, they're hurting, they're lonely, and they don't know what to do. Would you help show up in this? And be close to them. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you do that, you've won, guys. Last thing here. You want to invite and go with them to maybe Grief Share. Grief Share is a great support small group that we have that helps people walk through grief. Don't show up to somebody and go, I think you need to go to Grief Share. Don't. Don't do that. Ew, right? Instead, go, hey, my church offers this group called Grief Share to help people. I'll go with you if you want to go. You know how much that would mean to somebody? Go with them to grief share. Now here's where all of this lands. This isn't just, here's how to say sorry to help people who are hurting. That's important. The deeper thing is that God is more interested, not in you being utilitarian and helping other people, but God is more interested in you becoming compassionate as a person to be an imitator of Jesus. We're gonna close here with Colossians 3.12. This is from the message paraphrase of the Bible. Listen to this. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet, strength, and discipline. What if we as Jesus followers in this community, for those of us who've self-declared that we love him and wanna follow him, dress ourselves in a robe of compassion every day? Because guys, the world is empty aching and hurting and broken and crying out for people who are filled with compassion to go bring them comfort. And in Jesus' name, may it be us. Amen. Let's pray. So Lord, would you make us people of compassion? Would you make us people filled with sympathy and empathy and be filled with your heart to step into the pain of others so that we can help bear the burden with each other. Um, God, I pray right now that you put on our minds a person in our lives and in our orbit who's currently hurting right now, who needs our, our empathy and our compassion. Put them on our hearts right now so that we could reach out and love this week to them and carry the burden with them. And Lord, I want to pray for people who this morning online or in person who they themselves are hurting and they're the ones who need empathy and compassion. Lord Jesus, step into their pain. Weep with them this morning. Tell them you understand this morning. And with your compassion, come to help them this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Some of you before, you head that way. If you're here in person in the room. Maybe you not only need to learn how to, like we said, offer prayer for somebody, you need prayer yourself. And you need somebody to help carry a heavy thing you're dealing with right now. We're going to have a prayer team up here in the front who are willing to hang out for a little bit afterward pray with you about anything that you need. Otherwise, would you go forth from this place, carrying the compassion that you have received from Jesus to go be the compassion that a desperate world needs. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. We'll see you next week.